Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Enigma Blockbuster Cinema Theater and the Arcade Nostalgia Memories Podcast. My name is Scotty, also known as EBC. To my right, sporting a yellow head today, a little plasticky, is Legion Cage, also known as Rob. And our special guest today is Norm from Normcore Gaming. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing this evening? Fantastic. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's my pleasure. Uh, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is the Arcade Nostalgia Memories podcast where uh, the points don't matter and uh, uh, it is not whose line is it anyway. Uh, Nostalgia Memories podcast came to me in a fevered dream during a COVID scare in which I decided to uh, start a podcast where we explore the psychology and the memories uh, surrounding gamers' favorite games and uh yeah we just try to have fun with it uh, take a look at a game uh whoever we are interviewing for the uh, podcast is going to present either their favorite game or one that really has a lot of memories for them uh and uh we just basically uh, start taking a look and seeing what the game is all about and uh and then discussing the memories that are uh, surrounding that game so uh let's go ahead right on over to start this out here and norm's favorite game or at least the one he's presenting star fox 64 from the n64 primarily and uh i re i actually remember this one because i mean uh, if you've listened to this for any little length of time i uh I, i'm not a gamer I, I have, you know, played, obviously, video games in my lifetime, and, and they were uh, a big part of my childhood, especially uh, regular NES. Uh, and then later on, we did have an N64, and I don't know if we actually, like, own Star Fox 64, but I do remember playing it uh, probably for about five or ten minutes and then going... I don't think I can do this and uh, giving it back to the video store or wherever we got it from. And yeah, now my, I think the main games we played on the 64 was um, uh, Ocarina of Time, Pod Racing, um, uh, Mario Kart 64, a couple of others like that. Um, I do remember playing Buck Bumble once uh, i thought that was a uh, pretty interesting but um and and probably uh, kind of similar in the fact that you're you're actually having a flight mechanic here you're flying a ship uh it's also obviously a shooter um and and uh, our chat already wants you to do several barrel rolls uh so make sure you get that in when we're talking about uh, yeah. star fox uh, so released on April 27th, 1997, let's see, I, I was, uh, 14 years at the time. How old were you, Norm? I turned seven that year. Seven. So I was, I was very much a, a youngin when this game came out and it blew my mind. All right. Uh, on the N64 in 1997, also ported to the Wii in 2007 and the Switch in 2021. And they did do a port for just Europe uh, on the Wii U in 2016. Um, 
But why don't we hand it over to my co-host, uh, Legion Cage, who will tell us a little bit more about what's been, uh, what was going on in history when this game was coming out. All right. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Scotty. I think I heard you say something about like April twelfth, nineteen ninety-seven. Is that what you said? Uh, I got my information from Moby Games, and they said April twenty-seventh. April twenty-seventh. Okay, I think you're. Uh, I think you're actually you're not wrong, but I believe that was the Japanese release date. Um, okay. The United States release date was actually June thirtieth. Um, uh, so that's. I just uh, wanted to make sure because that's the information that I had and went with the U.S. date. Because like a lot of retro games, they um, they released in Japan first. Because until the mid two thousands, all video game companies were Japanese uh, based. Gotcha. So it was just commonplace for them to release in Japan and then come here. So um, so Monday, June thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven was the release day uh, in the United States. Of Star Fox 64. Uh, at that time, bad boy Billy Clinton was our president. Tony Blair was the UK Prime Minister. Uh, it's actually a pretty big day in history because the United Kingdom actually, uh, that was the day that they transferred sovereignty of Hong Kong back to China. Um, you know, and that that's obviously been a tense subject over many, many, many years anyway. So it's kind of cool that this came out on that same date. Close to my heart on this same date, Bloomsbury Publishing in London publish Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone is actually the original title of the book, not Sorcerer's Stone. They changed it because there's some kind of issue with censorship about the name Philosopher's Stone here in the United States. I don't know. Fun fact within the book series, this is actually the day that Dumbledore... June 30th, 1997, was actually, that was the day that Dumbledore was killed per his request at the hands of Severus Snape. So, Spoiler alert. Uh, if you didn't know that Snape killed Dumbledore by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a little fun fact there on that. Uh, if you're listening to the radio, the top five songs in the United States, uh, Puff Daddy and Faith Evans' I'll Be Missing You, obviously a tribute to, uh, I believe it was the Notorious B.I.G. Mm. <laughs> and... I'm not a huge, huge uh, hip-hop, rap, R&B fan, but that is a very, very good song. Number two on uh, the top five is Hanson's Mbop. Mm, uh, so a lot of people were definitely listening mm, to that. Mm, <laughs> uh, conti- <laughs> <laughs> continuing down of what you may be listening to on the top hits on the radio, Meredith Brooks is... Can I say a bad word on our podcast? No, absolutely not. What the hell are you doing, you freaking... Dumb, dumb. God, <laughs> okay, God damn it! B word <laughs> was number three on the charts. Mark Morrison's "Return of the Mac" is number four, and Bone Thugs and Harmony's mm. "Look Into My Eyes" was number five. Those uh, are all great. I was gonna say, like, I'm familiar with all of those songs, and I think that's the first time on this podcast that I've been familiar with all of the songs on that list uh, in the top five in the United States at that time. So um, I wouldn't say that I like all of them but i'm familiar with them i at least return of the mac amazing <laughs> um famous birthdays on uh june 30th 1997 boxing champion mike tyson turned 31 olympic swimmer and gold medal hoarder michael phelps turned 12 and wrestling superstar the american nightmare cody rhodes turned 12 as well but we're here to talk about star fox 64 
and that's when it released in the United States. Star Fox 64 was one of the top-selling games in 1997, second only to Mario Kart 64, obviously on the same system, uh, which is a very impressive feat considering, like I said, it was the one, it was the number two top-selling game of 1997. There were a lot of other games in 97. Um, while commonly criticized for not making a dramatic leap over its last-gen predecessor, uh, SNES is Star Fox, the reviews were generally positive. <laughs> It was a common criticism. I got a uh, bone to pick with that common criticism, but I'll get into that later. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but the game still received a 9.125 out of 10. Some of these r r ratings were real weird. But they got a <laughs> 9.125 out of 10 from EGM, 36 out of 40 from Famitsu, 8.3 from GameSpot, 8.7 on IGN, and 4.325 out of 5 in Nintendo Power. Garnering, a, garnering an overall 88 out of 100 Metacritic aggregate rating. The game was also ranked number 73 in the top 200 Nintendo games ever and 45th greatest game of all time by Guinness World Record by Guinness World Records Gamer Edition 2009. In the first five days of launch, more than 300,000 copies were sold and selling more than a million units by the end of the year. So six months, a million units. Boom. So Yeah, and uh, they, this is the game that had the Rumble Pack featured. Like, so I think it came packaged with the game, correct, Gage? I don't remember if it came patch, uh, packaged with the game, but I, I do believe it was the first game to utilize the Rumble Pack. Right. So, I, I would assume game, that meant it came packaged a game with changer, it. A true, a true game changer in the video game industry. <laughs> Nintendo was ahead of its time for all the crap that everyone gives... Nintendo for being so far behind because like the Nintendo Switch is not 4K, they were they were the innovator of almost everything. Well, see, and I remember when you know we had gotten the 64. Now keep in mind, I never had a PlayStation or an Xbox or anything else. I started with uh, the first console I had was an Odyssey. Then I had I think an Atari 7800. Uh, those were both short-lived. Then I got the granddaddy of my youth, which was the NES, and I had that for many years. Uh, me and my brother's uh, grandmother bought us the N64 when it first came out as a, a Christmas gift, and um, the I remember feeling at the time, starting that 64 up and looking at that weird-ass controller and going, what the hell is that, you know, nobody had ever seen this design before, and, and, and just me going, okay, let's figure out how this game is played, and I think... Um, uh, Joel was saying up in the chat that uh, we had uh, Tetrisphere and, uh, you know, a couple other. So some of those original N64 games, just trying to sit there and figure it out and going, wow, 3D graphics and, and just, you know, operating that controller, figuring out how it worked. It was, it was uh, great fun and, and to, to me at least, seemed extremely technologically advanced. Uh, you know, in the mid-90s, taking a look at this and seeing how it all operated. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at, the, at least at the time, Nintendo was definitely the leader in the field for for creating new technologies, making it look good and everything. 
and since then they they've gone batshit crazy or something like that i don't know <laughs> especially with like uh man i got pissed when they they released the uh the nes mini uh a couple of years ago and there was none to be had because they were snatched up by all these black market dealers on opening day and yeah it's like nintendo just that? just just create more <laughs> you know <laughs> One thing that's fascinating that I think is worth noting for the sales of this game is that Nintendo Power used to release VHSs to their subscribers. So we used to get videos in the mail of promoting Donkey Kong Country, um, Majora's Mask, various games that they were pushing. So Star Fox was actually one of the games that they promoted via VHS, although I didn't don't remember getting that one. But you could find it on YouTube, and it's pretty pretty hilarious how bad the acting is. And they basically take a lot of shots at Sony, take a lot of shots at Sega. <laughs> it's really funny, but it's it's good if you have time to check it out. Cool, cool. All right, uh, I, I, I we're gonna go ahead and take a quick uh, short commercial break, and then come back uh, with the main playthrough, uh, starting with the first part of it. It's about thirty minutes long, and uh, we'll we'll get into the questions that are already showing up in our live chat. If you are listening on the audio version of the podcast, uh, we request that you come out and check out the live stream. Um, I don't know if if you've listened to episodes one through three or any of them on the audio version of the podcast. You may have noticed that I'm not that technologically advanced uh, like Nintendo when it comes to uh, fixing the audio and making sure everything sounds good and professional. There's, you know, spots where uh, it just doesn't sound good because somebody fades out or you can't hear this or that's too loud or whatever. Uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm learning and, and honing my skills in that to try to make it sound more professional. But one of the things that I did decide from the get-go is that I wanted to do this live, record it, no second takes, and then just go in and edit the audio and post that as the audio version of the podcast. And I did that specifically because, uh, I'm, I'm much more of a fan of real life than uh, something that has been uh, created to present the best version of something. And yeah, there's something to be said about professionalism, but uh, I, I'm a really a big fan of live takes and just whatever we have, that's what we roll with. Um, so yeah, there, there's uh, lots of different things uh, that you would be able to hear, uh, I'm sure, including uh, in our new recording space, because we just moved the uh, PC that we uh, are streaming from, me and my brother, uh, and we invested that in together, so we share the space. Uh, dogs barking at various times, because there's dogs in the floor beneath me, and yeah, it's just a... Uh, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. So I hope you're okay with that, too. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, we do uh, suggest that you stop by the uh, Twitch channel, which is uh, twitch.tv slash EBC 2021, and watch the live recording of the podcast. It's a blast. You get to watch the uh, actual video of the playthrough of the games that our guest is presenting, and uh, all of Legion Cage's uh, fantastic hats, uh, which uh, today, I mean, I'm not going to uh, tell you exactly what 
type of hat it is, you'd have to stop by the channel <laughs> to see what it is. It's extremely yellow. He is a, a Nintendo banana today, and I love it, and you really need to stop by and see it. So, uh, once again, thanks for uh, stopping, at least listening to the audio podcast. If you get a chance, stop by Twitch and see it in action. All right. Welcome back, and uh, now we're going to start uh, the first part of uh, Norm's playthrough, Star Fox 64. Um, Norm, uh, why don't you begin by telling us uh, about the story behind Star Fox 64, how that story was developed along the Nintendo series um, that surrounds it, and then um, tell us a little bit more about like the gameplay. Yeah, so what's interesting about Star Fox 64 is it's the second released in the Star Fox series, but it's not really a follow-up to the Super Nintendo one that was released before. This is almost a retelling of the first game. So what we kind of have here is the Star Fox team and really how they came to be formed, not really how they came to be formed, but they're already in place, and it's mostly Fox's story uh, following up a tragic event in his life. Essentially what we have here, I, and I played, when I recorded the footage, I made sure we got this whole intro cutscene. Uh, basically, the Star Fox group is, they're a group of mercenaries who are kind of fighting for Corneria, which is the, like, the main government in the Lilat system, right? And they are hired, and they're rushing to their R-wings here, which is the, the, via, uh, the uh, aircrafts they fly, and they are going to now defend Corneria against Andros and his forces, Andros being a mad scientist who is now taking over the rest of the lilac system so that's kind of the thirty thousand foot view and this is explained somewhat in the opening um before you right when you hit game start it's explained um expositionally so that's really what we're seeing here is it kind of throws you right in you know star fox is here they've been hired and this is the crew and that little intro scene gives you the int uh, tells you their names fox falco slippy and peppy um you get the title screen here which is kind of unique because you can move the 64 around with the analog stick and the characters actually track and look where the 64 is going so it's a little thing they threw in just for fun um starting the game oh yeah they also had something like that on uh, mario 64 yeah where you could grab his face and like stretch it around yeah they were really excited to show off their new innovative technologies i guess uh <laughs> So this is this is the opening crawl, if you will. This is similar to a Star Wars where it tells you everything that's going on. So the stuff I just said about Andross is all in here. One thing I didn't mention is the tragic event that happens in Star Fox's life is his father, James McCloud, was the original Star Fox. So James McCloud and Pigma and Peppy were the original Star Fox crew. And what happens is they go to fight against Andross and Pigma betrays Fox, uh, Fox's father, kills him, Peppy gets away. So we're that's pretty heavy for a Nintendo story, uh, but that's what we have here. Um, Peppy returns and now is fighting alongside alongside James McCloud's son Fox, and their um, the newly formed Star Fox crew is going to defend against uh, Andros. So that's really what this whole intro is telling you. This is also a really unique use of voice acting in the game. You actually get a clear human talking, <laughs> like you're, and it's actually well good quality. There's there's a lot of voice acting in this game, which is new for the time. Not a lot of games around this time had full voice acting, so this was uh, pretty pretty intense. So, um, real quick for you, Norm, and uh, I apologize, chatting. I'm going to go a little bit out of order. I just feel like this one fits a little bit more. Uh, from Short and Sweet eight four zero two in chat, uh, they ask. 
Do you remember your first time playing the game and what did you think about it initially? I love that question. So I was seven years old, right? So I was pretty young and we had a really cool neighborhood growing up. We had a lot of neighborhood parties. People would invite you into their homes um, and you, we would hang out. So I don't know if this was a 4th of July party or what, but we were in one of my neighbor's homes and they had just hooked up the 64 to their big screen TV and this game was on. So this was my first time seeing the game. I just remember being a little kid blown away by, whoa, this game looks amazing. Uh, the characters are super cool looking. I had played the Super Nintendo one because we rented it a few times and it was just way too hard for me. And then I actually got to sit down and play it. They let me play. And I remember the first thing I thought was, I don't understand why I can't fly backwards, which is kind of a weird thing to think about. <laughs> but uh, because the mechanics of this game, you'll see in a second here, are on rail shooting in a sense. You are going to a destination. And my first thought, I remember thinking, oh man, I can't go back and miss those things, that ring I missed, or I can't get that power up I missed. And uh, that was my, kind of my first impression of it, but really fascinated by it. And then I eventually would get the game uh, a couple years later when we got our own 64, and it became my game. It became my the one I loved, so. So obviously you were seeing this new technology for the first time. Was this the first game that you were seeing on a system like this with the 64-bit technology versus what had come before at the 8- or 16-bit technology uh, that was uh, prevalent with other NES It wasn't the consoles? first one. It wasn't the first one. The first one was Mario 64 that another neighbor had that I got to go over and play. But but this was one of the first I got to one of the first I got to experience and then uh, play more as I got older. Um, this is a uh, Corneria. It's the first level of the game, and it does a good job. I I love I love games like this that kind of don't hold your hand through tutorials. They kind of just throw you in and let you figure things out. And this game's very intuitive with it. You're you're noticing I'm picking up items. I'm targeting and using charge shots because uh, that's a really important mechanic in this game. I'm using the brake. There's a lot of different things this game uh, throws you through. And right there, I, I flew through that little building and it gives you three extra enemies to hit. So there's little secrets the more you play the game that you, you pick up. So that's just a random thing, but. Great, uh, so I got another question from the chat. You kind of already answered the first part about it, but uh, uh, Isnib asks, did you play the SNES game, which again, you kind of already did, but maybe you can touch on it a little bit more. Uh, how do you think it compares to the N64 game? Yeah, thanks, Isnip. I, I played the Super Nintendo one as a little kid. We would rent it a few times and it was just way too hard. I, I was so young and it was it was it's a hard game even now as an adult, um, but I liked it. I thought it was cool. I liked the characters in it. Um, I thought it looked neat at the time. Um, as far as compares to this game, I don't think it compares well at all. I think this game is everything that game wanted to be and more it's smoother it's it gameplay's better there's voice acting it the replayability on it's higher so um you know i i i, I don't think they're super comparable and if i if you want to get into Star Fox, you, uh, to me this is the only game you need to play in the series <laughs> and, and you know I'll, I'll say that's kind of fair norm we talked before um the podcast started and you know like I'm not going to lie to everyone, and I, I'm not going to bash it, but I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the Star Fox series in general. But watching this gameplay, actually, right now, it looks a lot better than I remember it. Which the N64 to me is not a great era of games to re like to relive their graphics mm -hmm. in the now, you know. Uh, and this game actually does look a lot better than I remember it. So, 
So does that mean? Uh, yeah, and the frame rate. Does that mean Cage that you're you're going Sorry, go to uh, play it here sometime soon? <laughs> Just Probably to not. no. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, kind of. Uh, I don't want to say she owns the N64, but it'll be part of more of her streaming setup as opposed to mine, because um, it would require switching out a converter to be able to put it on my setup. No, oh, gotcha. Um, I won't. I won't say that it's impossible for the idea of it. it like I said, it looks a lot better than I, re I honestly remember it. And maybe it's just because I am remembering the SNES version. Um, but yeah. Can be. This this game actually, the frame rate, and it feels smooth. It still feels good to play. That's why I love playing it and revisiting it all the time. And obviously there's some textures and graphics that don't hold up as well. I mean, it's, an, it's a 64 game, but uh, this is one of my favorite games to revisit. Um, this is a so just just commentary on the gameplay here. Um, there's a there are some arches you can fly under about you know maybe about 60 70 percent in the level. And if you hit through, if you fly through all those arches and Falco is still in your party he hasn't been shot down, he'll find a secret passage through a waterfall. So you go through that waterfall and you fight this boss instead of the other boss. And if you fight this boss, you get to go on the uh, expert track. Now this is um that's. That's one thing that's really great about this game is the more you play it, the more things you discover. And this is one of those things where back in those days it was talking on the playground like, hey, I, I flew through these rings and Falco took me through the waterfall. And stuff like that was really cool for the time. So uh, I, I just love that about this game. Um, can you start um, telling us a little bit about the uh, game mechanics? Because like uh, we had mentioned previously, and as just about any gamer knows, the N64 controller is pretty freaking weird and it, it's definitely something that you have to get used to and and i know especially now that it's been ported to like the switch and everything else uh people are using those types of controllers now so obviously when right. we were kids playing this on an actual n64 with the real n64 controller um so can you talk to us a little bit about uh the game mechanics operation of that controller how to um, make the most out of playing this game with the controls as they were playing on the original console i think fortunately for this game is it's not too complicated from a control standpoint even though you have like 50 buttons on the 64 interface so you would hold it as you would hold most 64 games with your left hand in the middle where the joystick is and your right hand on the right where the a and b buttons are the d-pad doesn't come into play at all with this game the main buttons that you'll be using here is the the stick to move and then a a to shoot your laser and b to shoot bombs and then the z button is kind of your left trigger and the r button as your right trigger you would use those to do barrel rolls and put your ship to the side um in in different modes so now that's not to say the c buttons are useless if you press the top c button you'll get to a first person view in certain levels if i wanted to in this level i could have i just never use the first person view uh but they actually have that in this game which was unique um you use the bottom c button to break the left c button to boost and then the right c button i believe is when you get an intercom call which pops up on the screen so now that i'm talking about it they're actually they're all used in some aspects uh but it's if it, maybe because i played it five million times it, it's simple to me uh but the main buttons are are, are the a and b and, all the c buttons get used i didn't even think about that and are you uh playing this now on a different controller in your place i still i still so what i'm playing what I'm playing here is on the 64. I'm, okay. I'm using my 
the original car cartridge I, I had as a kid. I'm playing on my on my system, and then I'm using uh, the regular controller here. I haven't honestly played it on. I, actually, I have. My my buddy has it on had it on the Wii U, and we did a show uh, for his his podcast, and I played it on the Wii U Virtual Console, and it felt clunkier. It just felt didn't feel the same because yeah, you don't have the same. It just didn't feel the same. So I'm not sure how it is on the Switch. I haven't tried it. Well, and that's the biggest thing with me. Um, um, uh, that's the biggest thing with me yeah. playing uh, like old NES games. I, I've tried playing some of them on like uh, uh, you know refurb, uh, not refurbished, um, uh, different types of consoles that play NES cartridges, and the controllers are a little bit different. Or you know they they tried to maybe do a cross between NES and SNES, and they've got four buttons on there for SNES, but. You know, and, and the same thing with uh, when I was playing um, um, uh, Super Mario All-Stars cartridge on SNES, and that's got the original three Mario games on it, trying to play uh, Mario 1 on the SNES controller just does not work for me. It doesn't feel the same as right. that original NES controller. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with this game in particular, so that's... that's um yeah I, I totally see where you're, you're coming from with that what you grow up with that's that's what you want you know um uh this level is the asteroid field and i love this level it's probably my favorite level in the game actually maybe second favorite uh from a game design standpoint this game this is a very much tutorial level without holding your hand and saying hey use this now do this now spend three hours learning how to play the game it's um you fly through these different meteors, and Peppy's telling you, hey, use the brake, and it tells you on the screen, like, press down C. Right. Use the boost to get through, and then, like, use left C. There's all these, it's really, um, it's a nice tutorial without being a tutorial. And that's why this level's really cool. This is actually on the easy route. Um, I, I unlocked the hard route in the first level, but I chose to go this way, because there's a skip you can do in this level to get back on the expert track. And I tried really hard to do it. I've done it a million times, but for whatever reason during this recording session, I couldn't quite hit it. And you'll see you'll see me try to do it up ahead here in a little bit, but um, that's there. That's another thing about this game. There's a lot of little secrets and, and things you could do. It's actually coming up right here. Uh, but fly through this checkpoint, and then um, you'll see it ju in a second here. But yeah, it's just brutal. <laughs> the, um, yeah, you kind of already touched on this, um, but uh, user in chat cons is cool sixty nine asks, do you have a favorite gameplay moment or level in this game? You mentioned that this was... At first you mentioned this was your favorite level and then you kind of backtracked that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, can you touch on that? This is definitely one of them, but not my favorite. My favorite level is um, the one right before Venom on the expert track, which is... Uh, oh, I just missed it. I just missed it. You could see, oh, you could see the... So I missed it and then I, I hit retry so I could do it again. Because I'm like, I really want to hit the skip jump because that's a really cool thing to show. Um, so that's me starting the level over. And when you reset the level, you lose all your upgrades, which kind of sucks. Um, but no, the, the level right before right before uh, Venom, and I'm blanking on the name. Um, but that's that's my favorite one because at that point in the game, it's like they know that you, you're going the expert route. They throw everything in the kitchen sink at you. Uh, the dialogue is great. It's everything you've learned up to the game testing you, which is so great. Um yeah, and homeboy in the chat. I didn't. I didn't hit it. 
uh, but <laughs> I have done it before. Uh, and um, that's homeboy. It's such, uh, such a bummer that I wasn't able to do it for the show. But that's uh, that's homeboy in our live chat saying you got to get the secret ending here. And uh, apparently Norm has to do this live on his own channel so that he can uh, satisfy <laughs> homeboy's oh. desire there. Yeah, I wasn't able to hit it this time. I, I even went back and tried, but um, I figured, you know, it, it's not all for naught because even if you don't get the skip, the, the meteor skip, you do get to, you can't get back on the expert track, which I do. Uh, just a different way. Well, here's something I'll say about that, right? Don't don't knock the idea of going back and getting that secret ending, like, right here. Uh, for anyone who was here for our very first episode, we had Angle Doom on, and he, uh, he was showing us Black Tiger. And he was talking about wanting to get uh, uh, a no-death run in the game. And we got out of the podcast, uh, you know, the live podcast, and he uh, jumped on his channel and, sure enough, did a, a playthrough that night and got a no-death run. So uh, and, and, just throwing that out there, Norm. And I kept forgetting to mention that on our podcast. I'm like... Uh, so that very night, he went ahead and got that Deathless one-credit run. And I'm like, okay, I got to mention that when we do episode two. And, of course, my brain is uh, about the same consistency as, like, moldy peanut butter. And it just didn't materialize. The same uh, with last episode. And now thank you, Cage, for reminding me about that. Because that was, like, the greatest thing in the history of gaming ever was us... Uh, interviewing Angle Doom and him saying, "Yep, that's the next thing I want to hit is that that one credit Deathless <laughs> run." Sure enough, that freaking night he pulls it off, and um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was amazing to watch that. Even if I I personally didn't see it live at the moment, but I you know watching the video on demand, and uh, and later he went on to go ahead and post a uh, it's not uh, been verified but I mean he's got a, a world record on uh, speedrun as soon as they verify it and post it for uh, Black Tiger he's number three in the world on that and uh, yeah and he's been doing some other things um, you know obviously this is Norm's stream here but um, you, you do want to check out uh, some of the other episodes that we've done here on Arcade and the people that we've interviewed uh, and and uh, you, you're sure to be entertained by some of the gaming and the playthroughs. We do have a couple of uh, world record holders on speedrun.com, and uh, and of course within our own community here, we we you know have been maintaining a leaderboard for uh, high scores and times for speedruns and things like that. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch some of the gamers do these these runs and the playthroughs, uh, tournaments, uh, and things like that. Just missed it. Just missed it. I was too high. I, I think, I think I, uh, I thought I had it there and that, that I forgot there was one more on the left. So I, I, and then as I was recording the footage, I was like, should I do, try it one more time? I was like, nah, I'll just move on. Cause I, I can, I can get back on the expert track without doing this. The thing is I have done the skip before. You gotta believe me. And if you look at my, uh, my, my records at my personal best at the end of this, um, my, the best score I've gotten in this game, it was when I was in high school still, and because uh, I was playing it pretty frequently, and I um, I hit, it, you get around 300 uh, to 350 kills or hits if you if you take the the asteroid belt because or skip because it actually hyperspace jumps you to a new area with a lot of uh, asteroids to blow up and a lot of enemies to shoot, and you also get a ton of power up. So it's almost like a 
It's like a secret area, but it's also really worth it if you're going for high scores. Um, yes, cons can vouch for me <laughs> in the chat. He says he's watched me do it 20 times in person. <laughs> I still say we need to see it on stream. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's at the end of the level too, so you have to play through the whole thing just to get there. But that's how they—that's how they I test you back then. Uh, so is, is this a boss right here? Is this the boss of the level? Yeah. Oh, it says boss on the thing. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, you're fine. This—this this is the boss of the asteroid field. He's got a—he's got an interesting personality. Kind of calls a stupid. Um, Falco has a good line here. He says, "Are you gonna listen to that monkey?" Because he does a—he um, kind of does a fake out. Like he's like, "I admit defeat. I'm no match for you." Then he turns around and then he has a different form. But we—we uh, we did him away pretty quickly. Um, I didn't really talk too much about the the crew that you have. Uh, they all bring something to the table. So um, Slippy, the Toad, uh, is kind of the rookie of the group and young and inexperienced. But Slippy analyzes the the shields of bosses so slippy provides to you the the health the boss has so if slippy's out of your party you won't know how much health the boss has so slippy has a lot of value there even though he tends to get in trouble a lot he also within the crew is the mechanic he works on the ships he helps he built the landmaster which is the the tank you get in a certain level and the submarine as well so slippy is valuable as much as people dislike slippy uh Peppy, who's the seasoned veteran, gives you tips on certain bosses. He'll say, aim for this, or aim for that, or do a barrel roll, or uh, hit the brakes. So Peppy um, is, is kind of like your advice guy. Uh, and then Falco doesn't give you advice or help, but he's the most skilled pilot, so he, he will find secrets for you sometimes, and he'll he's the best fighter out of the three. So Falco, um, yeah, he's... He, honestly, Slippy probably brings more value than Falco in some, in some aspects, which is kind of funny. Okay. Um, so actually, touching on touching on the characters there, and I and I assume this is this is what they what they mean. But uh, Star Road Gaming Cafe, in uh, the live chat, uh, first wants to know: Can you do a barrel roll in real life? Don't worry, I didn't nope. forget that question. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. I'm sorry, Joel. <laughs> uh, but uh, also wants to know uh, which is your least favorite character. He's actually coming up right here, so I'm glad you asked. Um, this 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 level is our first introduction of the Star Wolf team, which is like the rival team of Star Fox. And there's one character on the Star Wolf team that I absolutely actually there's a few, but there's a couple. But there's one in particular I despise, and that's Andrew, who is Andros's nephew. He's just on the team because he's Andros's nephew, so it's blatant nepotism. This guy is terrible. He does nothing cool, uh, and I just irrationally have disliked him ever since I was a kid. Uh, Pigma being so, a close second. What what that translates into is he he's not cool. He doesn't do anything worthwhile. So he kicks your butt this whole game, doesn't he? Not at all. He's he's actually the worst member of the of their team. Uh, <laughs> Star, I I like Star Wolf as a character. I think he's interesting. And there's a rival to Star Fox, and um, his design is pretty cool. But uh, Andrew Andrew has no business being there. He's has no business, and he eventually gets kicked off the team in later games. So yeah. You know. Shows you how much they value him. He's only there because of his dad. Or his uncle. <laughs> it's a classic my uncle works at Nintendo meme. <laughs> well, I don't know about you. I like how you shot Falco there. <laughs> I don't know about you all, but I can easily do a barrel roll. All I gotta do is, like, you know, find a slightly descending surface and lie on my side, and then everything in my path gets destroyed. <laughs> Hey, that's that's at least that's at least one variation of the of the barrel roll. I, I assume Joel was talking about getting in a plane and doing it, which I've never flown, so 
Uh, okay, right there, I took out one really quickly there. Uh, th this this level is only in all range mode. So there's two types of modes in Star Fox. There's an on-rail where you're heading towards a destination and you can't go backwards. And this is all range mode, which is like a set cube, like a cube plane where you can fly around and you can... Um, and, and your wings change a little bit, but you can go backwards. And what I'm doing there, that technique, is if you hold the right trigger or left trigger, your plane will turn like this, and you can turn faster. So a good technique I like to tell people playing this game is do that and then hit the brakes at the same time, and you'll be able to turn really fast and get to like who you're trying to chase. I'm doing it right here, um, and I'm going after one of the guys, and I'm going to try to gun him down. There, uh, Got him a few times. Got him. So I got Star Wolf right there because I did that technique, so... That's something you guys can do. That doesn't help much with the audio podcast, but watch the video and you'll, you'll see. <laughs> yes, please join us for the live podcast. Well, if you couldn't tell from the, <laughs> the audio of the playthrough, I mean, yeah, what, what good are you? I mean, you, you need to hear what is actually coming through the speakers and, and, and interpret that into what the gameplay is supposed to be. Or you could just stop by the Twitch channel and watch the video live, you know. That's uh, that's the best way, but that's that's too easy. We can't do that. <laughs> uh, so we got through this mission pretty quickly. Uh, if you if you satisfy the conditions and and you defeat Star Wolf in time, you'll be able to go in there and get the bomb out. And uh, so there's a difference between accomplishing a mission and completing a mission. If you accomplish a mission, you get to go to like the harder route or a different area. But if you only complete it, you stay on the easy route. So. Um, yeah, this 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 is the part where we head back into the intermediate course, and then eventually we'll get all the way to the expert course. Norm, you kind of you kind of just brought up something that uh, reflects a question that was brought up in chat a little while ago. Uh, so Tuba Swan asks, "Is this the sort of game you would try to one hundred percent as a completionist?" Uh, yeah, and th there's a few there's a few um, incentives to do that, but nothing that's really like super crazy. Um, if you get the high score, like I did right there, you get a medal on each on each um, planet, and you want to get you want to get all the medals. Um, if you do that, you'll be able to, to unlock some secrets in the in the multiplayer mode. Uh, you'll be able to unlock tanks and landmasters, and you'll be able to unlock a mode where the characters are outside of their vehicles and running around with guns. <laughs> so that that's pretty much all that comes with uh, unlocking the the medals. But it is it, it has a high replay value, so you can do stuff like that. And it's it's if you're a completionist, you would want to. I think it speaks to you. It's not super daunting, but it's something cool you can do. This is a uh, lava planet. Uh, this level is tough because whenever your allies talk, they are losing health. They're losing shields, and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> so. Peppy in, in this playthrough was already pretty low. He just took a lot of hits in the last level. So he's going to go away pretty quickly. You can tell. You can see his, his health just deteriorating fast. Um, and your ship also goes down. So you have to continuously get um, rings to stay to stay healthier. Um, <laughs> make sure that you're not going to crash. So the rings re uh, refill your health. Uh, is there any way to bring your team members back? So what happens is if they if they go down, they basically go back to the docking bay, which is the great the great fox. We haven't really talked about the great fox, but that's the first thing you see in the game, where the it's like a um, naval ship, like what are those things called? Like a flight carrier, naval carrier, that has a bunch of ships on it. Aircraft where, carrier. Aircraft carrier. Yes, <laughs> I'm not good with my terminology. Uh, it's like that. So that's where great fox follows you around. That's kind of a base for Star Fox team. 
and if an ally goes down, they go back to the Great Fox and they have to repair their ship, which co which costs them one the next mission, and then they come back for the next one. So you lose them for a whole... I lose Peppy for the rest of this mission, and then the next one, and then he'll be back on the following one. Um, usually, I'm pretty good about not letting my allies die. Um, in my best playthroughs, they don't die once, or they maybe die once, but... I, they don't technically die. They, they get crashed, but... Um, this this playthrough it was unique in the sense that everyone at some point um, gets shot down, <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of a first, that's not, not I wouldn't say it's a first for me, but it's it's pretty rare when that happens when I play this game. Um, so again, another question from the chat from Tubaswan actually, uh, what would you like to see in a future game in the series? I would love for them just to get back to something like this, which is kind of a um, kind of a cop out answer. But I would love we never technically got a sequel to this game. We like that that is true to this game. All the sequels to this game have different gimmicks or different um, different things about them that kind of define them. Whereas this game is to me is the pinnacle of the series. I think it's the only one worth playing in the series personally. Um, it's I think it's great. I think it still holds up. And if they just get back to something like this. Uh, with updated Switch graphics, I think could look fantastic, and I think the fans would love, but I also think would introduce a new generation of um, players to it. So I, hopefully they would do something like that, but uh, I just, I'm not holding my breath after 20 years of disappointment with Nintendo treating this franchise, unfortunately. Yep, that's Nintendo for you. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to, um, because we're coming up to the end of the first part of the playthrough with this uh, lava monster boss. The floor is lava here. <laughs> and um, we're going to take... Praying Mantis. Oh, is that what that is? Uh, uh, praying Mantis coming out of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in any case, yeah. uh, we're going to take a short commercial break and come right back for the second part of the playthrough. Uh, you have been listening to the Arcade Nostalgia Memories podcast on the Twitch channel uh, at the address twitch.tv slash EBC 2021. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break and be back in just a little bit. All right, so uh, we're coming back now for the second part of Norm's playthrough of Star Fox 64. Uh, in this second half, we're going to be discussing more of the memories surrounding uh this game that norm has and um you know some of the nostalgia aspects of it uh the psychology behind uh, a little bit of uh why this has uh, become such an important game to him over the years uh, and of course in our live chat please go ahead and post your questions and uh, cage is going to field those to norm as uh we we go through this and uh yeah normal why is this game in particular so important to you well i touched a little bit earlier but this kind of became one of those games that was mine uh i'm the youngest of three boys so the youngest i was a baby of the family definitely spoiled definitely got uh, my way a lot of the time uh but we always shared video games obviously and I was in the position where I was mostly watching my brothers play, and I was honestly happy with it. People always say, like, how could you sit there and watch? Like, wouldn't you want to play? I'd be like, no, I was fascinated by video games. Always have been. I've been fascinated by the worlds, the stories, the graphics. I was basically a Twitch viewer before Twitch because I'd watch my brothers play and, and uh, listen to their commentary <laughs> and things like that. And I would think I'm excited for when I get to play because maybe I'll approach it this way. So I've always grown up with that. Uh, that being said, I didn't really have a lot of games that 
belong to me. Uh, they belong to everyone else. So I actually was able to buy this game like with my allowance, and uh, it was, I got to like own it. And of course, I shared with my brother uh, to let him play as well. But that's one of the reasons this game is, is dear to me, and I loved it. I, I still do love it. I can revisit it all the time. It it doesn't change, which is great. Um, I know what to expect every time I play it, and it's it's one of those comfort games for me. You know, it's it's one I could always revisit and play. So, random question I'm, I'm, as we're watching the gameplay on the live podcast here. You're in a tank now. You're in the Landmaster yeah. tank. Mm -hmm. since, since when do tanks barrel roll? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think this technically barrel rolls. It can. You know, you, can, you can, and you'll probably see me do it a few times, but the barrel roll itself is like a deflector shield as well to deflect lasers, and this thing doesn't do that. It just rolls out of the way, so... Um, it kind of—I don't know. I can't really explain it. It does have this cool little jetpack thing, like I did right there, uh, to grab the items. Uh, this level is one of my favorites, just because it's—it's it's different, and I love the boss in this level. He's this train conductor, and he's just always like, "Step on the gas. They're still coming." And like you can hear him like talking the whole time. Uh, he also has one of the most gruesome Nintendo deaths I think ever. So <laughs> we'll see that here in a little bit. But um, this is this is a fun one. Um, yeah, there, no matter which route you take, you will have one Landmaster stage, um, I believe. Actually, no, that's that's false. There, there's one that you can take with none of them, but you will have a submarine instead. So you do get a, one vehicle change every route you take. Well, and as... Uh, and again, Slippy was the one who uh, designed it. <laughs> and, and as uh, Tubaswan in our chat says, uh, tanks can barrel roll if you believe they can. You just have to have faith, my man. Yep. <laughs> so accurate. Yes. Uh, I actually did not know that uh, that the barrel roll and, and uh, the Joe Hope mentioned in our live chat that uh, technically the maneuver that you're doing is not a barrel roll, even though that's what they call it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did I did not realize that in the R wing that that was a deflector shield at the same time too. So like yeah the whole do a barrel roll being like this big memed thing from Star Fox and it's not just a you know aesthetic thing it's it's a useful maneuver and I did not know it's that very, until tonight it, it is very handy um what I'm doing here on the live video is I'm unlocking a secret ending to this this stage if you hit all eight switches and then the, the big switcher you get to go to the the expert area so this is an important thing if you want to get the real the, the true ending of Star Fox 64. So, um, and it, it can be annoying, but as long as you know where all the switches are, you should be okay. That's why I'm rotating back and forth, making sure I hit them all. And there's some audio cues that help you know if you hit it or not. Um, I think uh, more memories with this game is just... I, I had multiple friends who had this game as well, so Playground talking about it, you know, I would... Um, I, I loved talking about it outside of just playing it with my friends saying I found this or I shot down this many this time or I got this score um, and it was, it was just a fun a fun interest game for us to have and then figuring out secrets together um, like stuff like this like what I'm doing right now was a really cool thing for the time nice um, so Tubaswan asked another question and and again you already mentioned that this was this is the game that was the only one worth playing kind of in the series 
Um, so Tuba wants to know what did you like about the direction of the sequels that this uh, of this game, like what they did that was different. You know, was there anything that you liked? I guess maybe be a more appropriate question. I have to I have to rack my brain because. Uh, really what I want is 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 this I want I want them to go back to this but because um, Star Fox assaults was probably the, the next closest game to this but even that they added a lot of things that I thought were not necessary I thought the exposition and story in that game was too much uh, I like I, I would have preferred it to be simple like this one uh, where you're just kind of going through and, and and piecing a lot of things together as you play Um I, I'm a I'm a fan of stories that and video games in particular that kind of put you in a world and let you kind of discover what that world is without them blatantly telling you everything that's happening. And I think, you know, some of the history of like planets and Star Wars do that really well. There's one level that I didn't go in this playthrough called Zonus, and it's a toxic planet. The water's toxic. Everything there's dis disgusting. It's like industrials taken over. And there's the lore of that planet is it used to be a lush homeworld, but it got overran by the industrialism and just the toxicity of what pollution and it's kind of neat because it's it's like that's in this game and you need to kind of figure that out but it doesn't blatantly tell you that so there's just little things like that i, I appreciate um and really i honestly i can't really think of anything i liked in the sequels that that that, that i really enjoyed um i hate to hate to sound like a debbie downer there but it's just they, the, most of the innovation, innovative things they tried to do didn't really work out for me personally. No this is the state. This is the stage, by the way, that I like a lot. That this is my favorite in the game. Um, this is this one's a lot of fun. So, um, can you talk to us a little bit about like specific memories? that you have that are associated with this game. Um, what, it, what is it uh, that, like, you would go ahead and boot this up on your N64 and hit, a, a like, a spot in the game and go, and instantly in your memory, you're remembering this, this particular thing? Uh, one thing, and... I just remember getting home in high school, even like because I played this game as a kid, but I also or, or, I was a little kid, but I was even playing it in high school pretty frequently, and I would get home from school, you know, put a bunch of bagel bites in the toaster oven, <laughs> you know, and then just have this giant plate of bagel bites while I'm playing through Star Fox 64. Like, and I remember thinking at that time, I'm like, man, this is pretty awesome. And now I look back on that, and I'm like, yeah, life doesn't <laughs> like that was like the <laughs> that was one of the best moments, like just not having to worry about adult life being able to just get down on snacks and play my favorite game like that was uh that, that those are some of my favorite memories um i think some of the some of the star wolf scenes in particular bring back a lot of bad memories because those are some of my biggest rage moments as a kid especially this one coming up after this level is uh the one of the hardest parts in the game where you have to shoot down all four star wolf members and they have advanced ships and those are some of my early gamer rage memories where I would get frustrated. I'd get angry with my teammates for not helping out. Like I'd have to do all the work and things like that. And the, I didn't realize at the time that it was it was all character building. <laughs> so th those are those are some of the few memories that that whenever I play this game, I, I can't help but think about. Well, that that still sounds pretty awesome. And you do know that they still sell bagel bites, right? You can do this live on your channel <laughs> next week. 
uh, you know, doing doing the Star Fox stream as long as you have the bagel bites present. That's gonna be the kicker, you know. <laughs> That's the key to all of this. <laughs> bagel bites. But as long as he brings enough bagel bites to share. You hear that, Nabisco? We're 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 yeah. uh, rooting for you. You're you're the key to success in Star Fox 64. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, kind of following up on uh, some of the stuff you were talking about, like the other games in this franchise, uh, Malegio in chat had mentioned that Star Fox Zero was pretty good, which was on the Wii U. And they want to know, had, did you ever play Star Fox Zero? Yeah, this is going to sound hypocritical because I'm trashing a lot of sequels, but I actually haven't played Zero. I did see the reviews for it and watched a lot of stuff coming out because I was excited about the prospect of a one on, a Star Fox game on the Wii U. And it's, it wasn't just the negative reviews, but it was the fact that they force you to use the motion controls and the tilt controls on the Wii U gamepad. And that to me was just... If they would have given you the option to play it like how the game normally is, I would have been I would have spent the money on it, but it, I didn't feel like it was justified, so... Um, no, I haven't, and maybe maybe I should give it a shot. Um, hopefully the price has dropped on it, I would assume it has. So, uh, um, yeah, I have not played that one, but from what I've heard, or, it's just that, that specific mechanic or maybe if, uh, uh, kind of ruined it. Maybe if you could get it on an emulator and, you know, play it on a normal, more normal controller. Yeah. I'm not you sure, know. though, because... Because they, they legit said that you have to use the tilt controls on the gamepad. Like they won't let you, they won't let you, not use that. So you, I think you would have to use it, use a gamepad and have motion control. And, and that was uh, that. That's that. Honestly, has been something that has uh, plagued Nintendo uh, after like the N sixty four and GameCube generation. Uh, when you got into the Wii and the Wii U, and even a little bit in the Switch, um, where you've had to use a very gimmicky control scheme um, with their consoles, and it, it has affected a lot of games uh, in a negative fashion, uh, at least for people who were reviewing them. So, uh, but uh, uh, Malegio adds on that uh, they got the game cheap, uh, and you barely even notice the the motion controls. Um, they would prefer not to use them, but it's not difficult to use. So. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I'm willing to be open minded and give it a shot. So I I should try it just because this game I love this game so much. Um, but that's that's part of my part of my uh, issues here is that I I really really just want a true sequel to this, which we haven't got, and that's that's. That's also me needing to get over myself in some aspects, but <laughs> um, but I should I should give it a shot. I'll try to buy it at GameStop because apparently you can only get a digital version for fifty nine ninety nine. So Yikes. that's that's not good. <laughs> um, true. This uh, we're coming up on the part where I'm losing some of my allies again. I lost Falco right there, which. Like, I, I just don't know I don't know what where I went wrong but um, it's kind of a bummer this is a this is a part that this enemy uses this laser move which is honestly looks pretty good for 64 um, and there's a few other things with this fight that are that are really really unique um, 
Yeah, this is this is one of this is a cool boss for sure. And then after this boss, we get to the final level of the game. So it's not a long game. You can get through it pretty quickly if you play it a few times. So it's got that's why I like the replayability on it. Um, Pubaswan again chimed in and said, uh, "What advice can you give someone who's never tried this game before?" I th that's that's a good question. I think. <laughs> approach it not to where you'd expect to be really amazing at it at first because it takes some time to get used to it and the more you play it and the more you get used to the controls the more accessible it becomes but don't be i would say don't be afraid to fail and and don't be afraid to, to get um, shot down a few times and also maybe maybe um I would also um, advise to just play it and, and and have fun with it, and and you'll you'll uncover things as they come instead of using a guide or something. Because I think that this game is more fun to play through, um, you know, with going in going in without any um, expectations because you figure things out and the replayability is really high. Here's, this is the the redemption of Star Wolf. So this is where they have better ships and they're harder to shoot down, and this part can be really difficult, really difficult. You were, this is also where I lose all my guys. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You were just mentioning a little bit earlier too about how you lose your teammates. Um, I, I have to imagine mm -hmm. that that's probably one of the most sought-after uh, forms of completion of the game is to not only complete all the missions as you're supposed to, but all of your team members are still alive. And and I gotta wonder. Like, what kind of game mechanics Nintendo put into the game just to make that possible, if it is even possible? I'm, you know, I, obviously I don't know a lot about, like, you know, what, what the stats on this game are for how that sort of play is to be done. But, you know, if it is possible, how difficult is it? And, and what do you have to go through to actually make that kind of completion happen? So it's definitely possible. Nintendo doesn't really incentivize you to do it. You don't get any achievements. This is kind of before that era. Uh, you don't get any special special things for it. But on your score at the very end, you get your kind of your high score or your your, your record there. Uh, it tells you how how many levels, how many stages that your your team was there. So it would say like Peppy five. He was only there for five stages. Slippy three. So that that's one area where you can track it. Um, I do think on my best best playthrough none of them died or none of them went down but i'm not i'm not totally sure there um i'd have to I maybe lost one at one point but there it's as far as your question about how hard it is it a lot of it depends on the route you take um the fire level is is a pain for this because your your allies will take a lot of damage just because they take a lot being on that level right there i accidentally shot down peppy because i thought he was another i thought he was that star wolf so that could happen too it's just making sure you, you don't shoot your guys your own guys down oh <laughs> um, boy and at this point uh, yeah yeah that was that was kind of rough but at this point i was just like i got to get these guys down because if you shoot them all down in a fast enough time you get more of a bonus for for your hits um and that uh, you also get uh, items you'll get gold rings which help increase your health or you'll get um white stars which give you more health so uh all in all i actually got through this pretty quick because this one could be really difficult especially if you don't have the right the laser upgrades um and uh but again i'm, I'm using that technique i kept talking about where you go to the side and you hit the brake because you'll you'll turn a lot faster so highly recommend that for everybody
there we got Leon. That's so that's pretty good. But yeah, this this was the memory of Rage was this this stage. But it doesn't bother me as much now as an adult. But as a kid, it was very infuriating. Um, you know who's really infuriating? We're heading to the final boss now. Is Slippy, because who's you that? killed him. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of funny though because the dialogue changes based on who you have. So. Um, usually Slippy right there, as you go into the final trench run here, uh, Slippy says, Fuck Snow! And he's not there, so literally no one said anything. If he's not there, one of your other crewmates will say something, but unfortunately I had nobody, so <laughs> Fox just says... Instead, actually, his, his line changed, because normally he says, I'll go it alone from here, but without any teammates, he says something like, This is the final stretch, or his, his dialogue changes, so that's wow. really interesting that Nintendo... That they they put the work in to do stuff like that, where you get varied uh, dialogue even with for a game this old, I think is pretty cool. Here is our this is our fight with Andros, the final boss. Um, now there's there's two different Andros fights. If you go the easier route, uh, you don't get the true ending. You fight Andros and then you kind of de defeat a robot version of him, which is not the real Andros. So that basically implies that he got away. Uh, if you go the true ending, which is this way. Uh, you defeat Andros, and he shows his true form, which is really just his brain and his eyeballs. So I don't know what the deal with that is, but uh, you do get to you have to defeat the brain and eyeballs form of Andros, which apparently is his true form. This is almost like classic Star oh, Trek, so... with a giant head just floating yeah. in space, and <laughs> he's he's ascended to a new level of consciousness, apparently. Yes. Uh, so short and sweet eight four zero two asks um, any specific memories surrounding the first time that you beat this game. That's a great question. Uh, yeah, I was a kid, and I I remember I remember beating it the regular version or like the easy version, and um, you know being satisfied, like being pretty happy that I did it, because uh, this game is hard, um, especially when you're young, but also being a little bit unsatisfied because if you do the easy way. At the very end, instead of, instead of saying the end, it has a Andros laughing. So, as a kid, I was like, "Well, that was kind of a bummer," but I was happy. And then when I beat it, the true version, which was this one, I was very, I was very ecstatic. Uh, I felt like I accomplished something. And I've beaten this game hundreds of times, um, but I do remember the first time. I was about eight or nine, and it was, it was very. I remember just feeling elated. My question would be, like, how, as an eight or nine year old, would you not be traumatized by this brain? It is swimming so and trippy. Space? So really trippy, right? Man. It's like the, the entire game, you're in space, you know, and then, uh, yeah, you've got the land part with a rolling tank and all that. But then all of a sudden, you're thrust into this gigantic room where you're fighting against a brain and shooting eyeballs. I'm like, Dude, I want what Star Fox is smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, I guess I guess uh, it's pretty desensitized. I was uh, <laughs> having older brothers and maybe seeing the stuff they had, which you know, I, I guess I guess as a kid I was like, this makes sense. <laughs> well, you know, the N sixty four started getting into some interesting territories. I mean pretty sure most of us know of Conker's Bad Fur Day and <laughs> yeah. you know so so a trippy brain and flying eyeball sequence let's do whatever it's cool yeah 
this is I a mean, really cool part. Father. Uh, so James McCloud. Yeah, this is the, the, the ghost of James McCloud um, appears and guides you out of the trench run. And um, I actually have a I have a, a funny memory with this one to share. Uh, I was in my twenties, I was living with my brother at the time, and this was a this was quite a time to be alive because most nights we were drinking and playing sixty four. Uh, we'd have friends come over, we'd play Blitz, we'd play Gretzky, even though this was like way after the 64 had come out. Um, but this is just what we were doing. So one of these nights, I was playing this game, and I was doing this part, and it just so happened that uh, what, basically what you have to do is follow James out of here, James McLeod, and he takes you a certain route. You have to keep up with him, because if you don't see which way he goes, you'll be dead. So I was in the spot where I lost both wings. And if you lose a wing in this game, it really affects your flying. And I had zero health. So I couldn't touch one wall. So unfortunately, I couldn't catch up to James. I had to guess the whole way. And so I'm guessing this whole time. And my brother gets right up in, next to me and he starts saying, there's no way you do this. There's no way you do this. There's no way you do this. And somehow against all odds, I found my way out of there. And I got to this part and I said, yes, yes, I did it. And then he laid on top of the controller, pushed my hand down, and then I crashed and I flew up into the ceiling. Oh. And I... All, and he he starts just busting up laughing, and all I could oh all I God. could do was, dude, and I, and I punched him and like shoved him off the couch, and he's just laughing hysterically, like like harder oh than I've God. ever seen him laugh before, and it was so funny in that moment. I started laughing because I was like, what what can you do at this point? But it was just, but the rage I had, and then just to see him like cackling hysterically was like, okay, this is actually pretty funny. So. That, that's one memory with the this game. Oh, that's a fantastic memory. I, I was able that. to do it. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was able to do it. He just ruined it at the last minute. Um, another part here. There is no dialogue at the end because I didn't have my crewmate. So Fox just sits there pensively thinking about what just happened, looking for his dad who disappeared. So it's kind of nice to have no uh, dialogue. I hadn't really seen that. Or if I have, I forgot. So that's pretty neat. Uh, and this so... is the ending. Homeboy in chat asks, now that Star Fox 2 is officially canon, uh, since it's since it uh, never officially released on the SNES and was released on the SNES Classic, um, do you think we'll see the new characters in games going forward, maybe even a Star Fox 64 remake? I think so. I think we'll see some iteration of them if they choose to if they choose to go back to Star Fox. The, they've kind of dug themselves a weird hole with... Um, with all of these uh, characters they added in, in the DS game. But they, then again, they said all those endings weren't canon. So I don't know where that fits in with all those characters they added there. Um, I'm not sure where, where if they do a 64 remake, I think that would be the best option because then you can, you can kind of start fresh with a new slate of characters. And um, I think it would make sense for them to bring those characters back. Um, so I, I, honestly, I would like to see that. I think they need to add some characters that to make the game more accessible, but also... Um, Maybe, maybe, and I think those two would be a good pick, actually. Do you think that they would be more likely to do a remake of either like the OG Star Fox um, or the N64 or Star Fox 64 versus like doing a complete reboot of the franchise? That's a good question. I, I, I think that they, they realize, I, I, as much as Nintendo hasn't done much with this game, I think they realize the impact it's had and how much people love this one and consider it the pinnacle of the series. So if they were to hard reset Star Fox 64, I think that would kind of be a bad call. Um, but I, I don't know if they would completely revamp it from the beginning. I, I think they have enough to work with, but um, 
maybe a direct sequel to this game is kind of what I would hope for. Like immediately after this, this what happens in this game, the events of this game. But you do have to do something with the Wii U game you made, which I don't know where that takes place. So <laughs> I'm assuming it takes place after this game. So have you uh, played the? This is their Star Wars moment where they get meddled. Have you played that um, Star Fox 2 that was released on the uh, the classic version? I have, yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't impressed with it. No. But then again, I wasn't expecting to be just because of when it was released. Um, uh, but I have played it, and I thought, okay, I see where they were going with this. It is better than the first Super Nintendo game they released, but also I understand why they chose not to release it because yeah. at the time of gaming, it just wouldn't. I don't think it would have sold well. Time for us to go now. Yeah, and for, for anyone who's not familiar with that, um, what we're referring to is uh, Star Fox 2 was in development. It was actually completely done for a long time. It was like this kind of like mythical thing. Um, it was completely done for the Super Nintendo, but in its time frame of when it was about to release, the N64 had been announced to the world, and Nintendo wanted to focus on the N64 and not the aging Super Nintendo, so they can, even though the game was completely done, they scrapped it. They completely uh, got rid of it uh, from the idea that it was going to release, um, and worked on Star Fox 64, releasing it instead. Um, a few years ago, they came out with the Super Nintendo Classic, which was a little box that had a bunch of games preloaded on there, and they decided to release officially for the first time Star Fox 2 as part of that. Um, a very epic ending. <laughs> you have to, with the, the great fox over the horizon, and the, and the orchestra score actually really picks up right here, and it actually plays really well. It, it sounds... Um, it's it's very the music sounds a lot similar to Ocarina of Time, uh, which is kind of neat. And boy, are they running really fast, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, they're they're, they're kind of keeping up with this large starship, right? Yeah. And so like, <laughs> they they sure get perspective's their, a hell of a thing. They sure get their <laughs> exercise in. All right, uh, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up there because um, we got a couple more minutes left in the playthrough, watching the end credits of the game here. Um, but I do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Arcade Nostalgia Memories podcast. Uh, if you're listening on the audio version, I know I say it all the time. I'm going to say it one more time. We really would uh, love to see you on uh, Twitch uh, for the live recording of the podcast. And that's on my channel, twitch.tv slash EBC 2021. Uh, I'll also give a couple of shout-outs to my co-host, Legion Cage, also known as Rob. He is at twitch.tv slash Legion Cage, spelled L-E-G-I-O-N-K-A-J-E. And our special guest tonight has been Norm from Normcore Gaming, and he is at twitch.tv slash uh, normcore, just like it sounds, N-O-R-M-C-O-R-E underscore gaming. Uh, and, uh, of course, next week we have been promised that uh, he will be doing a Star Fox 64 stream with uh, Mini Bagels. Uh, and Nabisco is going to sponsor the podcast from now on. That has been all confirmed. Uh, yeah. And he's going to do it or else. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, I have no uh, no way out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, once again, thank you all for joining us. Uh, 
if you're on uh, listening to the audio version of the podcast, we do really implore you to stop by Twitch and check it out. It's very cool to watch these playthroughs. Our gamers uh, that we interview every other week or so, every two weeks we do this, uh, and and it's really great fun to uh, show up in chat, ask your questions of our uh, a guest, and watch the playthroughs. So um, we're going to say goodnight uh, for today. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, let you know we will have one more episode, Season 1, Episode 5 of uh, the Arcade Podcast that's going to be coming out right around the uh, second week of December. We're going to be recording that live broad, uh, uh, podcast on the Twitch channel, uh, I believe, on December 5th, uh, which is a Sunday. And uh, that will be the last episode uh, for 2021. Then we will pick up in the second week of January with episode six and continue on. So we'll, we'll be taking about a month off there. Uh, and uh, again, I, I do have about 14 episodes planned for the first season, taking us through the end of May. And then we'll take a break for the summer. Um, but we will have that one more episode in December and then uh, take a break into 2022. So once again, from the Enigma Blockbuster Cinema Theater, the Arcade Nostalgia Memories Podcast, I have been your host, Scotty, also known as EBC, my co-host Legion Cage, also known as Rob, and our special guest tonight was Norm from Norcorn, uh, Norncore Gaming. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.